Welcome to the Soul Seeker Sisterhood podcast, where we talk all things spiritual, mystical, and transformational to inspire you at a soul level and expand your consciousness. Welcome, beautiful soul seekers, to this week's episode. I'm going to be chatting with the lovely Lorraine Maguire, who's in New Zealand today, and she is going to be talking and sharing quite a few interesting things about transformational techniques that you can use and approaches that you can take to help empower you and transform your life. So I'm really excited to share this and chat to Lorraine today. Lorraine has overcome many personal challenges in her own life and is on a mission to help people rise above their beliefs that are holding them back. She's overcome alcoholism, drugs, low self-confidence, overeating, excess weight, anxiety, and panic attacks herself. Today, she helps others transform their lives through her work of rapid transformational therapist and hypnotherapist and motivational speaker. So we are going to be jumping into all of these amazing things about transformation today to give all the listeners a bit of an idea of, you know, that they can empower themselves and they can transform and they can go on that path. So welcome to the show, Lorraine. Thanks, Verity. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's so exciting to um, to have a chat to you. I know there's going to be a lot of um, people listening to this where it really is something that they feel that they can take on themselves and, and go down this path and they can connect with you as well after the show. But to give people a little bit of an inside knowledge about how this all works, and I know we were chatting earlier about what it actually means to use some of these techniques. I'd actually never even heard of it about transformational therapy, rapid transformational therapy. So, I was really intrigued to know how that fitted in with hypnotherapy. So I know you're going to talk to us today about that, but it would be great to sort of start off hearing a little bit about your story and how you actually got into this kind of work. Yeah, sure. God, it's like sometimes when I'm asked that question, it's like, where, how do I start? But I suppose how I got into it was I turned 40 and in my 40th year, I was around about 16 years sober from drink and drugs. So I'd got sober through Alcoholics Anonymous at that point and uh, I was smoke free, but the overeating had really ramped back up. It had come and gone ever since I was a child, really. I think eating was the first one. And so what I'd done was I'd got back into it. I was in a really stressful job. I was workaholism. I was overachieving. I, you know, imposter syndrome, all sorts of things going on that I didn't even know what they were had names for them back then. So I turned 40 and my life kind of just spiraled and I just felt really unhappy. I was looking for a solution specifically for the overeating. And a friend of mine sent me a video of Marissa Pears, and it was all around the belief that I'm not enough. And so all of a sudden, it was honestly like a light bulb went off in my brain. And I had this aha moment where I was like, oh my God, I don't believe that I'm enough. I'm not slim enough, pretty enough, tall enough, smart enough, fill in the blank. I'm not something enough. And that had led to alcoholism, drugs, overeating, excess weight. And then of course, the anxiety and the panic attacks, which is what I was experiencing at the same time as the eating. And so I literally started just by binge watching Marissa Pears videos and listening to all these things. And she does this one technique where she gets you to imagine you're eating a lemon. And even when I say lemon, my mouth starts to get all like spitty and like, oh. And so you pretend you're eating this lemon, visualizing a lemon. And I can't even see the lemon, but I've got the, the word as I'm eating a lemon in my brain. And I started to like get saliva in my mouth. And I was like, 
my mind and body's reacting and I'm not even eating a lemon. And there was all these other things that she did in those videos. And one video led to another and then one led to one that said, you can do what I do. You can become a rapid transformational therapist. And it's the first time in 40 years of my living that I just knew this was what I was meant to do. It was like everything in my gut was saying, do this, do this, do this. And so I followed the process. You had a, a webinar with her and then you spoke to one of her team. And, you know, I went through the process, got approved. And within like three months of coming across rapid transformational therapy, I was training to become a rapid transformational therapist. I literally stopped overeating almost overnight with the techniques that I just picked up in her videos. And then, of course, I've gone on to have the therapy myself to clear the old stories, the old beliefs and the old programs. So I really got into it first and foremost to help myself. And then that has led to me going on to help others. Oh, so yeah, amazing. Because I think one really strong message that comes through from you is you've had some experiences that you really needed to find that solution. And a lot of people are going through a lot of things, personal things, don't always share it. Sometimes it's in your yeah. personal life. You don't know that about your coworkers and all those kinds of things. And it's sort of this feeling of where do I go to get some support, some help to get me back on the right direction. So because you've walked that path, I feel like that's really helpful to everybody that you work with. So it's a little bit like peeling back an onion, right? There's obviously lots <laughs> of layers to this. Is that what I'm kind of getting? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you know what? For five years, I've been like, what's something other than the onion that we can use? You know, like what's yeah. something else with layers other than an onion? But it is exactly Sorry. like that. As I kind of, even if I think about before rapid transformational therapy, you know, I peeled away the drink and the drugs, and then I still had the smoking and the food, and then I peeled away the smoking, and then I peeled away the food, and then the anxiety was massive because then I had nothing to push down the feelings and the, the mm. anxiety. I had no drink, no drugs, no smoke, no food, mm. nothing to dampen these things. And so as I've peeled away the layers of old beliefs that were picked up because of past experiences and put in new beliefs that I am confident, that I am enough, that I am worthy. I mean, I literally started, one of her videos talks about writing I'm enough on your mirrors and putting it, I mean, I just look up there in front of me, there's I'm enough, I'm strong, beautiful, I'm enough, it's all around me. And my own mind said, I can't write that on my mirrors because even my handwriting's not enough. And I was like, oh my God, really? And at the end of the day, I just thought, you know what? I don't care if my handwriting's good or not. And I wrote it up there and it's still up there five years later. And yeah, so as I've, I've gone through this myself, I use my own life experience as well as my training to help my clients. You know, yeah. it's, I find it really powerful when I work with someone to say I've been there. I had a guy recently who's just committed to work with me and he said, everything you said was what I'd done. So I wasn't telling him from a book perspective. I was telling him from, no, I've done this. And so he felt a lot more comfortable to work with me. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful thing to find someone that has walked through it because when you've actually experienced it and you've gone through it, it's different to saying, yeah, I know about it. But yeah. the fact that you've walked that path yourself. So really... A lot of what, and we're, we're going to dive into it in a lot more depth so people understand how it all works, but it's really looking at coming back to the core issue. That's yeah. kind of what you're saying is that it's not just this surface. You know, often we feel like we've got to sort through our problems or our issues or whatever, but we're not coming back to where did that stem from? Where did that actually, is that kind of the premise behind a lot of this is really coming back to where did this come from, even if it's a childhood thing? 
I know we've spoken about like past life things, things that have come through as like an energy field as well, not just our own memories, but it's really stemming coming back to that, that root cause. Is that right? Absolutely. Rapid transformational therapy is about finding the root cause. And then we can't change what happened to us, but we can change the meaning of what happened to us. So it's not exactly what happened that hurts us the most. It's what we made it mean about us. So, you know, even if you go back to a scene, I don't know, mum and dad are fighting, you're a little kid and you feel helpless because mum and dad are arguing in front of you. And your little mind is going, oh, I'm scared. You know, mommy and daddy are fighting. And, you know, like this must mean that I'm not lovable or this must mean that I'm not a good girl because I must have done something to cause this. Or even if we have done something, maybe we acted out as a child and then that got mum or dad angry and then their anger. And then it's like, mum and dad are angry with me. So therefore I mustn't be lovable. That's what's hurting us. That's the tracking back to that, that we've made this belief that I'm not lovable or I'm not enough or I'm not worthy. And so that's what's hurting us. That's what's creating the symptom. So the symptom is the anxiety. The symptom is the smoking, drinking, drugs, food. You know, the symptoms, what we're experiencing on the surface and what's running underneath that. So, so many people, like if I use alcoholism, I haven't done RTT on alcoholism, for example, but I know I would go back to scenes of being a teenage girl, shy, awkward in my body, glasses, plate, you know, not feeling attractive to boys. And then alcohol comes along and I feel cool. I can talk to boys. I can go to parties. I feel like I fit in. I feel like I belong. And so my mind's like, great, here's the answer, here's the solution to the shy anxiety, Mm -hmm. social anxiety, child, whatever. And it sets up a program. I know today I drank for confidence and it might have given me this much, but took away (laughs) probably this much, you know, like it took away way more than it actually gave me. But the program in the brain keep taking me back to alcohol because it's like, no, it's making you confident. It's giving you confidence. And then, of course, I would drink too much. I'd drink into a blackout. I'd do things that undermined my self-esteem, made me feel even worse about myself, got myself into dangerous situations. And then next week, my mind would say, have a drink because it's going to make you feel good. You're going to be confident. You're going to be, you know, and it's not conscious. So I'm not consciously thinking those things. It's a subconscious program. So RTT goes back to find where did these things start? What was the start? What did the brain decide that then created this pattern, this habit, this belief that then is creating things in my daily life today? I can use another example, for example, the overeating. So I left home at 21 and I started the overeating really started to escalate at that point, as did the drinking. And I would consciously you'd think, well, what happened at 21 when I left home that made me eat more? No, no, no. When I was like, I don't know, four, five, six, and mummy wouldn't give me as much ice cream as I wanted, which was a good thing. (laughs) You know, mum's mum's not letting you eat as many ice creams as you want isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad parent. It's a good parent. But the little girl mind is like, I want more ice cream. And I decided when I leave home, when I get my own job and my own money, I'm going to buy my own ice cream and eat as much ice ice cream as I want. There's the program. That's the root cause that when I was little, I decided when I leave home and have my own money. So when as soon as I left home, the program started running and I started eating more, not knowing that it wasn't something that was happening in my life that day. It was something I'd programmed from when I was five. Yeah. 
And a lot of us don't even realize we've set that programming because essentially it's like thinking about the computer program. It's a little bit like our phones and the apps running in the background. You know, you can't see them, but they are there. And that is a lot of what's happening in our life. And unless you can come back to those root causes, you're really going to replay those situations a lot. So it kind of works into one of the questions I wanted to ask you about what is it why can't we just transform ourselves? You know, if we have a goal, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's weight loss, if it's like a career thing, if it's a business goal, you know, we've got a dream of something, whatever it is, why can't we often get over that hurdle? Why is it, what is it that stops us just doing it ourselves and going, I know there's some programming, it'll be fine, just keep going and move through it. What stops us doing that? Yeah, so I think there's a multiple things that I can think of that come to spring to mind. So fear, you know, is a big thing that stops us making change. Thinking that we can't change. Mm. Uh, sometimes thinking it's genetic, you know, if it's a physical thing, that it's the way I was born. Or it can just be the programming. So just like you said, that's exactly how I describe it. I describe our mind like a computer. So or an iPhone. And like you said, the app, we use the app. But I don't know how the messenger chat or the Snapchat puts funny tiaras on me and stuff. I have no idea how that works, but I just do it, right? That's the the conscious mind is seeing myself in the tiara and sparkly face. The subconscious mind is the program. So we're sometimes consciously trying to change, consciously using willpower, consciously kind of punching away at something. And we keep self-sabotaging or we keep drifting back because of the subconscious program, which is way more powerful than our conscious. So we don't know our brain is like a computer. I didn't know that until I was 40 and started learning this kind of stuff. I didn't know that if I say, I always feel like this Christmas. I always feel miserable at Christmas. There's the program. Always feel miserable at Christmas. The mind doesn't care whether it's real or false or true or false or good or bad or, you know, it just goes, okay, it runs the program. Just like I tell my Outlook emails to always send Verity's emails to my podcast box or something, it's a program. So if we can find the program, but a lot of the time when we're doing this consciously, the program's subconscious. And so, so yes, we can see change with repetition. So even without doing the work that I do, I did a lot of change just through repetition. So I just did positive affirmations for like three months. I did listening to positive recordings and I started to see change. But if we can find the subconscious and change it at that programming, either delete the program or rerun a program. Mm -hmm. But a lot of us are kind of pushing against these programs. So if I use the weight loss again as an example, consciously, my conscious mind is I want to be slim, fit and healthy. Subconsciously, I might have a program running that is I need to be overweight so that no man finds me attractive and and I'm safe by being overweight. Or I might have a program running that food comforts me. And so one day I'm in the car and I'm like, right, I'm going to the gym and there's an intersection and I go left and I go to the gym. And I'm like, yeah, the next day I go at that intersection and the subconscious program's like, you've had a stressful day. You've had some painful emotions today. Go home and have that cake because it's going to comfort you. Or, hey, that man paid you too much attention today because you were looking good. And so I need you to go. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves going home again and we, why didn't I go to the gym? What happened? And it's just because of the subconscious program taking us back all the time so so many people come to me they feel like they're fighting themselves and that's exactly what's happening there's conflicting beliefs 
conscious slim fit and healthy the subconscious no I need to be fat for this reason or overweight for that reason and you're constantly battling this really that the wiring of the brain rather than us being able to try and overcome it on our own which is why we obviously fall back into that habit because and that's eating's probably a really good example of that you know whenever we're gone we're gonna be really good we're gonna eat really well and then we do it for a little bit and they're like oh no and then we fall back or someone says oh do you want to come do this oh yeah sure you know and we can't stick with it that it's really actually that we're fighting against a subconscious wiring of our brain rather than us being able to overcome the strong will is that kind of yeah what's it's- going on It's like a neural pathway in the brain. So those who are watching will see what I'm doing. But those who are listening, I'm holding a really fat highlighter Mm -hmm. on my head. So a fat highlighter, this is the neural pathway of comfort eating or Mm -hmm. drinking alcohol for me. You know, I had a really fat neural pathway that when these things happen, I eat or when this happens, I drink. And so like you said, like some days I'll be like, right, I'm going to stay sober I'm not going to drink this week because last week I got myself into embarrassing situations. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be sober. I'm going to be sober. But this neural pathway, this fat highlighter in my brain, it's really fat. It's been there for a long time since I first started drinking, maybe 10 years or so. And so it's going, no, no, have a drink. And so this, the new neural pathway, and I'm holding up a pencil now, and the very thin point of the pencil is so tiny. It's the new neural pathways of sobriety or eating healthily. And it's playing off against this fat neural pathway in the brain. Yeah. So I've got to build up this one. So I've got to build up the new one. Now that takes practice, that takes repetition, that takes reprogramming the brain mm-hmm. until what happens is you end up, and I'm holding up two pens now that are exactly the same size, and you have the two that are kind of fighting off each other. <laughs> but then you keep building on the positive new one, and eventually you end up with the fat one on the on the new one, and the old one, skinny pencil drip becomes the pencil and drifts away it's literally like a program in the brain we stop using that neural pathway enough until it's redundant it's deleted it's and some people will do that really quickly because the neural pathway is not that embedded for certain things so for example I've started practicing these techniques on loving a clean kitchen and making sure that I emptied my dishwasher and cleaned the kitchen And that took just me doing it consciously, just going, I love a clean kitchen, I love a clean kitchen, I love a clean kitchen. Every time I put a dish in the dishwasher, I'd love a clean kitchen, I'd empty the dish, I love a clean kitchen. And eventually, I just do it naturally. I just put my dishes in the dishwasher, I put it on when it's ready, I empty it. It doesn't build up into a mess of plates and things like that like I used to. I did that just through repetition of knowing now, ah, if I say I love something, my mind's going to take me towards it. Mm. I built a new neural pathway. Things like trauma that have happened to us, things that have embedded the alcoholism, the overeating patterns, if there's things for safety or protection in our brain, that's a really fat highlighter (laughs) in our brain and that's going to take a little bit of work to shift. So really we can kind of shift anything that we want to. Like people have, it's funny how our brains work and I know that if there's any parents listening to this, you'll be thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to train my children into the wrong things. And you, you know, but I think there's, you can't avoid, no, uh, you like can't you avoid said, it. You know, saying, don't eat the ice cream. And that was actually a good thing, but that child is going to take that on board in one way. So it's going to happen to us. We're going to pick up things regardless. 
And it's kind of the stories that we tell ourselves that then feel extremely real in our life that stop us really transforming, like getting to the point where we want to be, you know, the person that we want to be and and stepping into those fears. And that that often comes up even when we think we've worked through something. Then we're faced with it. And suddenly in that moment of being faced with it, the fear comes back, the feelings, it can feel heart race, sweating, all those kinds of things can come up for people. But really... If you're working from this level, you can really shift all of that to get to where you want. So anyone, I suppose, listening, thinking, I've got these big dreams, this is what I'd love to to do. It doesn't really matter what it is you're wanting. You just Mm. need to work back about what's sort of stopping you. Yeah, what's stopping you and believing that you deserve it. You know, like I've got a thing on my hallway wall that says, believe you deserve it and the universe will serve it. You know, so a lot of the times, (laughs) yeah, a lot of the times, I've even gone to stuff in my own sessions mm-hmm. where my mind and body has said, I'm bringing up this issue, physical pain in my body to stop you being successful because you don't deserve it. Yeah. And it's like, really, like I've done some naughty things in my past, you know, and so therefore I should be punished. It's like mm-hmm. I did something when I was five, my mind was punishing me for 35 years. I wouldn't have been sent to prison for mm-hmm. what happened, you know, like it was childhood stuff, mm-hmm. but I felt guilty, I felt ashamed, and so my mind embedded this, like, I need to be punished program because I'm a naughty little girl. And so, like you said, parents listening, and this happens to me a lot when I have a parent under hypnosis and I bring them out after the session, they go, oh, my God, what have I done to my children? Because they (laughs) all of a sudden they realize that how their mind has interpreted things from their past, which means they've done things similar to their children and so on. And I just say to them, you know what, just take that pressure off yourself. There's no perfect parent You just did the best you could with what you knew and what you learned and the learned behaviors that you had. And all you can do now is do things differently now and have a conversation with your child. Say that you're working on things. Say that you didn't know everything back then and you're willing to work on things. You have those conversations. But it starts with us changing our thoughts, you know, like it really is change your thoughts, change your life. Like I didn't realize how powerful my thoughts were. I didn't realize how my thoughts created feelings which then created beliefs and like you said you just mentioned something they feel like facts it feels like it's real those stories become like it's true so when the mind's saying a lot of people will be on under hypnosis and they'll say my mind believes that I'm not enough and they will go but I am enough because they adult themselves knows that they are enough and that they are worthy and lovable and all these things sometimes I will have a client who's consciously believes this story of not being enough so much that it's taking it takes a little bit longer to shift these things because it becomes like it's a fact like it's the truth and no one is not enough no matter what you've done no matter what's happened to you we are all enough we are all lovable we are all worthy we all deserve to be happy free whatever no matter what we've done but it's these things that get embedded in us and it becomes so real that the mind believes it to be true, to be fact. Mm. And that's what we need to shift. That it's like some clients, if they come to me for a physical issue, they'll go, oh, well, because my mum had it, I'm going to have it. And it's like, no, you're having it just because your mum had it and you're believing you're going to get it. And even their mind will say that, you know, they'll go back to scenes, oh, you know, like going back to a scene where I was told by my mother, oh, like when you're 40, you're going to need glasses. And so then this person becomes 40 and then starts needing glasses just because Mm. that's what they were told and their mind believed it to be true. 
So if I believed in Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, and I no longer believe in them anymore, I can change other beliefs. And that's what is the wiring of the neural pathways in the brain is changing those beliefs. And so part of doing that with me is like listening to a hypnotic recording every day that rewires those neural pathways, that builds the new positive one that you want to believe or that you do believe, but not enough yet for it to be real. It's really figuring out what is making you feel really uncomfortable or what's trapping you or stopping you and you felt, you know, obviously we all have our stuff. Everybody is different and whichever level of that that you think it's causing a problem, it can be relationships, health, wealth, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Yep. Figuring out what those things are but also knowing that your brain is sort of making up the story and so it's not necessarily the truth so you can always change that and you think, well, wow, what if I like embedded an amazing story about the outcome and that was my truth where would that lead me who would I be with that I think one of the most powerful things that I've learned with this kind of work has been that you are the thinker of your thoughts and we sort of when we understand that and you go my thoughts aren't controlling me I am thinking them. So if you think of something very emotional and then someone turns around and tells you something incredibly funny, you'll laugh and you'll move to that. You are thinking the thoughts. And so when you realize that you are creating the stories, good or bad, that are making us who we essentially are. And I know one thing that that you've mentioned before has been that sometimes we can look out to the world, everyone sees us as one thing, but internally we don't feel that, you know, so we might look very confident but in our in private way, we don't <laughs> believe it and feel it. Is that a quite a common thing that happens that people try and put on a bit of a front, but they're really struggling on the inside to realize who they actually are? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I'd say most people have had some level of this. Like if I think about when I drank, it was all an act of like, I'm so happy. Like one yeah. of my friends actually wrote me a letter um, saying, you know, I could lose you as my friend, but I'm just going to tell you how I see it. And he said, it's like you're on a party bus and you don't know how to get off and you've got this I'm on holiday act. But what you told me under blackout, because I didn't remember <laughs> the conversation with him, was that you're unhappy, you're lonely, all these things that I told him when drunk. And I had no memory of it. So he said, you're acting. You're this whole big act, you know, like you don't go to the pub and go, yeah, my life is miserable. I hate my wife and I want to kill myself. You know, you go to the pub and you go, life's great. Hey, mate. Yeah. All right. She'll be right. And the same with like work. So I used to go to work in a corporate job and talking at the front of public meetings and all sorts of stuff. And I'd be having a panic attack in the toilet. I remember going to a, a leaving drinks and I was telling this story. It was after I'd left and I was, you know, becoming a lot more honest with people and saying, you know, this is what it was like. And this guy was like, mind blown. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, we looked at you like you were so confident and you were like leading and planning and like, wow. And you, now I've got this image of you in the toilet having a panic attack. It just doesn't compute. So many of us have got, they've labeled it now imposter syndrome. I don't like to label myself with anything. I choose to be drink-free, drug-free, gluten-free, 90% sugar-free. I choose to this and I choose that as much as I can rather than I am an alcoholic or I am. a. On the inside was that program. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know. Oh my God, I'm not good at this job. But what was running on the outside was I've got to prove to everyone I am good enough. I've got to show the world. I've got to get my validation from external people. You validate me. My boss validates me. The, the external world validates me. And of course, that doesn't last. 
Because what's the common denominator? Self-esteem, self-belief, self-confidence, self-worth, self-love, it's self. It has to come from ourselves. But when we're looking for it from everyone else around us, it doesn't last. Even if I'm having a low day and I'm not feeling so good and I've maybe slipped into an old I'm not enough program, something might have triggered it. Even if my partner's going, you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're incredible, I'm not feeling it because it's not coming from myself. I love it. I love that he tells me those things. It's supportive and loving and encouraging. But what I need is I need to give that to me. Absolutely, yeah. And so that's what we're running around. So my insides now match my outsides so much more than they ever did. If I feel like if I'm doing a public speaking thing, right, and I get up in front, I always say, oh, I feel a bit nervous. Oh, look, I've got a bit of shakes. My hands are shaking. I tell it, I tell it now. Instead of like, oh, yeah, I'm all right, I've got this, you know, and, and trying to act as if, I go, oh, oh, I'm a bit nervous looking at all you people looking at me. Oh, I'm a bit sweaty, you know. And then once I've kind of told on that fear mm. or that nervousness, it kind of dissipates anyway because the light's been shone on it yeah. instead of me. Or if I, yeah, or if I don't know something, it's okay to say, I actually don't know. Yeah. Rather than having to feel like, oh, my God, I, if I don't know something, that means something about my worth. I have to know things 100%. I have to do things to 100%. I have to be perfect. There is no such thing as perfect. So, but we're all striving for this thing that's unattainable and constantly charging for it, which then just causes so many other issues. There's so many things to unpack on what you just said. <laughs> I think just even coming back to that imposter syndrome, we hear that as more of a common word <laughs> I'm saying yeah. now that, and especially for women, that there's this sense of it. I've experienced, I think everyone's had a time where they've experienced it and it's very, very real. So it's a full fear that that you sort of have, but understand that it's also sort of brain-based and it's tapping into those fears that you can shift those. Why are you having those those fears? But having what you said about matching your outside and your inside have to come and, and match together. And that's why I think a lot of people that are entrepreneurs or have their own business or anything like that, they often experience that with money where they work really, really hard and they do all the things and all the strategies and they and they finally get themselves to a certain point. Like I wanted to make that a hundred thousand a month or whatever it is. And then they get there and go, I don't feel anything. Yeah. And then they don't know why they don't feel anything and it's this total down and then they've got to work through that and can be quite depressed through that process. So it's funny how if you don't match those things up, it doesn't matter what someone tells you, you know, you're the best, you're the most, you're the whatever, if you don't feel it. I think yeah. what you said there about you not feeling it, that's such a key. Yeah. Key like Marissa uses an example of the actor and it's quite a good one because it's like you're a little kid and you decide for some reason that you don't believe you're enough, that you're lovable, mm -hmm. and you've got to seek this external validation and approval. And so you go into acting, right, because you're getting all this and you, you make it to the top and you've got all this adoration and all this people loving you. And you still don't feel good enough. You still don't feel lovable. And then you have addictions. If you look at so many famous people, they have addictions. They have problems. They have all these issues that we've talked about because their insides are still saying, I'm not enough. No matter if like one person says I'm enough, mm -hmm. 10 people say I'm enough, a million people say I'm enough. If I don't feel like I'm enough, that doesn't matter. The whole world, I'm still going to find that one person that says I'm not enough that I'm going to latch onto. See, yeah. see, I'm not enough. I describe the mind like a childlike lawyer, right? Love because it. <laughs> it's, it's made, these, it's made these beliefs when you're a child. So it's picked up these things that you're a child. Money doesn't go on like talking about the entrepreneur and the 100,000. Money doesn't grow on trees. 
I get a lot of clients with money blocks that go back to like religion yep. and the church saying, you know, money is the root of all evil, money's not good, da, 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 da. and it's like, so they're just striving and striving to build this amazing business, but this money's the root of all evil and it doesn't grow on trees and you have to work and strive really hard for money. Money doesn't come easy. All these things that are put into us when we're children. And so you're striving for this business and these things are just keep pulling you back. I don't deserve to have $100,000 a year, you know, or it shouldn't come that easy. And so when it starts flowing in, oh, we start to block it again. So we have all of these things running that stop us achieving. So we need to not only clear away those things, we also need to install a new program of I do deserve to be happy, I do deserve to be healthy, wealthy, rich, whatever, and I validate myself mm. so that this comes from me. And when you feel, when you get to that place and say you do become famous, if what that one somebody on Facebook, because it happens, right, or social media, whatever, says, oh, I don't agree with you, well, what rubbish are you talking? <gasps> Your whole world doesn't implode because mm. you just believe in you and you're just like, yep, that's okay. I'm not for everybody. I know that I'm way too much for some people because I talk about things which are challenging and uncomfortable. I talk about past sexual promiscuity, sexual abuse, trauma, things that people are uncomfortable talking with. So people are like, woo, sometimes. If I took every single one of those personally, I, I wouldn't go out in the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really important thing for people to remember that you can't please everybody. Sometimes we have a pursuit to please but yeah, it's fun. It's just amazing how powerful our minds are. And yet there's obviously a way that we can, there's tools to transform, which is why I really wanted you to come on today to talk to people and say, there is ways that you can help to transform yourself if that's the direction that you want to go in. So let, we've talked a lot about, we know that we can reprogram our brains and all of that. So let's talk about what rapid transformational therapy actually is, because it's not a common term we hear. We we hear hypnotherapy and it's a hybrid, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So it's a, it's a hybrid therapy. It uses hypnotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, psychotherapy, different therapy techniques to help rewire the brain, to help make those changes that we've been talking about. So it helps to using, you know, like having the client under hypnosis just means that we can talk between the conscious and the subconscious. So the subconscious can tell us why these things are in our life. What is the habit of thought that's running underneath this habit of action that we're seeing? What's running underneath the drinking and the drugs and the smoking and the food and the, and the anxiety, depression, whatever? And then helps us to clear those. So there's so many techniques. I'm not going to go into the techniques, mm. but the freedom that it gives you is, is what we're wanting. Now, what's rapid about it is that we see really quickly under hypnosis what these root what the root causes of the issues so that's what's really rapid so you still might take a bit of time to see the shifts and the change in your life but i sat i had a, a session on panic attacks and i had been to a psychotherapist for years never known that panic attacks were there to bring me love and under hypnosis I said, what the F, you know, like, because I was like, when my mind said, I'm the panic attack and I'm here to bring Lorraine love, I was like, what? I feel like I'm dying. I'm choking. I'm calling an ambulance. But then as we progressed through the session, the love came when somebody would get up close, they'd put their arm around me, they'd stroke my hair, they'd tell me to breathe. If there wasn't someone 
personally physically with me. I had three women on speed dial that I would ring when I was having a panic attack. They would love on me. They would breathe with me. They would tell me I was okay. And, and my mind was like, look at all this love and attention I got you. And you I was never like, have known that. That's such, no. a, that's such a deep thing to work I know. On. I sat in psychotherapy and talked and talked and talked. I thought it was stress. I thought it was phobias. I mean, it was so many things linked to phobias and food allergies and all sorts where it started. But I learned that getting sick and being sick was a good way to get intention because, you know, mummy would put you on the couch, she'd look after you, you'd get lemonade for a sore tummy or toast and whatever, and you'd get the day off school. And, and so the little mind's like, oh, this works to get attention, right? And so that just then led to different illnesses and different adult illness. And the adult illness was anxiety. And so that got me the love and attention. And now I believe that I can have love and attention being healthy and whole and happy. I don't need to be sick or I don't need to have, a, have an issue. If I need some love, I can phone a friend without needing to be panicking. I can just be like, hey, how you doing? I'm feeling lonely. You want to hang out? Or I can say, hey, I'm feeling like I could have a hug. Can you give me a hug if I want some physical affection? So that blew me away because I wasn't expecting that in the in my first session around the panic and anxiety and so many things I've had since I've seen like I used to when I first started out I used to really prepare for my clients really like they'd fill in out a client form and I'd read it all and I'd prepare and then what I started to notice was that when they were under hypnosis something completely different would come up and I'd prepared for this thing over here and it was something else because yeah. it was subconscious. And so I just trust the client's subconscious mind yeah. to help them as much as possible with that. And yeah, using all the different therapeutic techniques. And part of it is the mind learns through repetition. Yeah. So that is like listening to a very repetitive recording that if it is, if the belief is that I'm not enough, there's a lot of I am enoughs in that recording that keep telling you that you're enough. I might get clients to repeat it themselves. I used to say it in the mirror. I used to have a little mirror on my desk at work and I'd just pick it up every so often and say I'm enough and look in the mirror, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition. But under hypnosis and getting directly to the subconscious mind, it's way faster than just consciously doing it. Yeah. Wow. We're a little bit, we don't realize how powerful our brains are. And it's kind of the concept of there's always a benefit in our behavior somewhere, even if we don't want to accept it or we, we're like, what is the benefit? It's a little bit like you're saying, getting that self-love. So even though you're having the panic attacks, the body knew, the brain knew that there was a benefit and it was looking for that benefit, even though you're thinking, no, 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 there's no benefit here. Yeah. It was still overriding you and saying, no, there is a benefit to me doing this. And that's why we play out these behaviors that often don't help us in any way, <laughs> they're really fears, but we can't stop it. Yeah. And that's part of the rapid transformational mm -hmm. therapy is helping the client's mind understand that the benefit isn't actually a benefit today. Yes. It might've been a benefit. It might've been a coping strategy. Mm -hmm. It might've been something that helped you when you were a child. It might've been something that helped you fit in and belong and get attention or kept you safe. So some of the other things that came up around me for panic and anxiety was threat to life and safety. So in that situation, panic's done its job, right? It's like that's what the role of anxiety is to keep you safe. But when it's doing that in different situations, like I'm having coffee with a friend, you know, there's nothing life net threatening here. But so seeing that the benefit is no longer a benefit. Yes. Starting comfort eating when I was a child and 
eating my feelings. That might have helped me survive as a child and a teenager going through all the teenaged angst and stuff. But as an adult, it's just putting on weight and having issues in my life. Then it's no longer the benefit. And sometimes clients will see that and have an immediate shift because of of that understanding of like, I don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah super powerful. So who does this work for? Is this something for anybody can do or are there some people that it's better for them or they can go into it better or is it just an open an open thing I like to say any human being could come and lie on my couch you know we've (laughs) all got a we've all got a computer program that we could shift in some ways right some people go really light into hypnosis I wriggle around I hear the things going on in the neighborhood if I'm at my therapist or whatever some people go really deep like I'll say to a client oh I'm so sorry the neighbor had their lawns mowed or something and they'll go oh did they they're not even aware some people feel really like they can't move and they're really heavy I wriggle around if I get uncomfortable everyone can go into hypnosis the brainwave of hypnosis is just the same as driving down the road and then going oh my God, I don't remember the last intersection. Did I go through a red light? So we all can go into the brainwave of hypnosis. We all go into it as we're falling asleep and as we're waking up, as we're going through the different brainwaves. Some people might have resistance to it and then I can help them to release the resistance. So anyone can do this. Anyone can have this experience. I was quite funny when I did the training because I had seen so many of those hypnosis shows where they make people do embarrassing things that I actually had a belief that hypnosis was humiliation. So I actually had to break through that first, that now hypnosis is for healing because my brain was like, no one is going to make me do that and embarrass myself. And so, you know, the first girl who tried to train on me, bless her, she couldn't do anything and we had to get some help. And then, yeah. And also I had a belief, I'm not even good enough to do this. You know, I'm not going to get it right. So sometimes people might have that belief going on and anything that comes up, I can help them to shift and move through it. And most people will be able to shift through that in the first session. Some people might be second or third session. I had one one lady who took more than anyone else, but she had literally repressed her emotions from 15 under. She had no memories of anything under the, under the age of 15. And so she took a little bit longer to, to kind of break through that barrier of protection, of protecting her from the pain. But once we can get through that and get the mind to understand that I'm an adult, I can cope with some feelings, I can cope with some hurt, some anger, some you know sadness, then the kind of the inner mind, that childlike lawyer that's going out to prove its beliefs, opens the door a little bit to let you in. Yeah, so really it's open to, to everyone who's willing to, to give it a go. I love it. I do hypnosis myself and it's, yeah, it's a beautiful, calm state that once you get into it, you, you kind of want it. <laughs> you oh, want to do yes. more of it. <laughs> yeah. I had a session yesterday and when she's like, I'm going to bring you back now. I was like, no, please don't. I just felt so calm. Just leave me here, you know, like, yeah. and it's such a nice place to be in. The hypnosis that I do is very different at the beginning because you are bringing up past issues so some people can have what's called an ab reaction which is an emotional reaction I think that's a really good thing because it's clearing out the emotions so I allow that client to and guide them through hold space for them while they you know have released some anger or release some sadness I've come I've woken up with my hair slicked back all salty because I've cried so much in a session and then other sessions I've just talked and interacted like I'm talking with you now everybody's different 
Some people's bodies will talk and they'll have physical things come up in the session. Some people will see visual things. I just work with however the client's mind works to help them to free themselves from those old beliefs. Yeah. Do you think someone needs to be, like if someone wanted to work with you, do they need to be with you to do it or is it something they can do anywhere in the world and they can? No, that's what's so one. That's what's so wonderful about this because I'm probably still like 60, 40 in person to online, but all my coaching is done online, mm. my hypnotic coaching. The full RTT sessions, I give clients the choice either online or in person. Most people, once they've had an online session, they go, oh, actually, this is fine. I'll just do the rest of them online. Some people come and have one in person and then do the rest online. But Mm -hmm. most of mine have been online until the lady I'm working with recently on some stuff for myself. But until her, most of mine have been online because the people I trained with were all around the world. I trained in London. So there was people in the UK and, and Australia and that I've worked with, USA. I've got clients in Singapore. I've got, I had client in Hong Kong. I've had clients in South Africa. It works just as well online as it does in person. There's absolutely no difference. Some people find they want an in-person experience. Other people like the safety and comfort of being in their own home when the session is finished they can release any further emotions they can get into their own bed and have a rest they don't have a drive so actually a lot of people do like that as well yeah that's amazing we connect so much online now and when you find someone you think I really want to work with them they really resonate with me which there will be people listening to this that find it and go oh I'd really like to check that out being able to connect and work together anywhere in the world is always nice. And how long do people tend to, do the people come back all the time? Obviously, everyone can shift things at different times. You've already sort of yeah. said it depends on the person and what, and what they're working through. But do you find that people come back to kind of go to the next layer, like the onion? Yes, I was just <laughs> going to say like the onion, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so many people clear the, the layers of the onion. So they might come to me for eating, for example, and then realize actually there's all these other issues that, you know, oh, there's this work situation and there's this relationship story because we are made up of multiple stories and multiple patterns and beliefs and habits. And so, and I myself have cleared and more cleared and I get to a point where I know something, the work that I'm doing consciously, like I might be doing positive affirmations. I might be doing, listening to my own work that I create and not seeing a shift. And then I go, right, I need to get into my subconscious. So a lot of clients will come to see me quite regularly. I've got like a a nine week transformation package that, so they see me every week for nine weeks and then we reassess after nine weeks. Some people will just do one issue in that whole nine weeks. Other people have done three or four issues in that nine weeks. And it all depends on individual minds. I had a lady in America who did one session on her eating, one session on anxiety, and one session on money blocks and had success with all three. I've had other clients that have needed three or four sessions just on one issue. Mm. So... It depends on how long you've had it, how many layers there are to the onion, how willing you are to do the work, put in the work yourself. There's multi-factors to it and there's, you know, varying types of change. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Depends how deep it is or what that kind of belief system is. Do people ever come with one, they're coming to talk to you about one issue or one thing they're wanting to overcome and then it actually, when they're in a session, there's actually goes to another sort of part, if that makes sense. They kind of come in for one thing and come out with the actual issue being something completely different. 
Yes, very common. So, and it's kind of like what I was saying earlier about why I don't over prepare anymore. You know, like I'll do my general preparation, but sometimes they'll come to me for a certain issue. And then you're going back to scenes and you're like, this doesn't feel right. This feels like it's something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's either linked to that thing in a kind of like weird kind of way, or, or the mind's like picked something that might be going on in their life at right now. So they might be like, oh, I want to work on this issue. And then they might just casually say, oh, yeah, this happened today or this happened in my week. And then all of a sudden they'll start going back to things related to that. So the mind's like, I want to work on that first. And the mind will release what it's ready to release. The subconscious mind's job is to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. So sometimes a client will come to me for something and the mind will go, well, I'm just going to go to these things. and I'm just going to let out this much and just see if it's safe. Number one, see if Lorraine is safe for this to work with. Number two if it was you, Verity, is Verity safe enough to be able to deal with this? Can Verity cope if I let this memory and this hurt up? And then it goes, okay. And then boom, we get deeper and deeper. I've had other clients during lockdown, I did a a quest and I gave away 79 free hypnotic sessions, just 40, 40 minute sessions to keep me busy and active and to give back to people that were struggling with COVID and lockdown. And some people I'd never met, I didn't have any preparation and boom, they'd be going back to like a sexual abuse trauma scene straight away. And it was not even related like, oh, I've got issues with procrastination and then boom, they're in a sexual Mm -hmm. abuse scene. And it's like, you can't predict what's going to come up for people. So that can happen quite a bit. Yeah. It's amazing that the brain will go to what it needs first Yes, without you trying to, because we're so used to controlling or trying to control and this is almost like, you know, quieting, quietening the mind and really working with what needs to happen without that full control. Well, we've yeah. definitely covered a lot in this session and I know there's going to be people that are very intrigued about how can they rewire their brain and work with you. And um, I think what you're doing is so unique because it's not just hypnotherapy. It's like all of those things together, that hybrid model. And I think that's really interesting because they all come nicely together for that kind of support. So If anyone's trying to find you, what's the best way for them to find you or to come and work with you? Yeah, so the best way to do is is to go to LorraineMaguire.com and they can book a free 20-minute consultation with me, either phone or Zoom. We can have a chat about their issues. I'll give them some tips and tricks in that call as well if I've got anything that I feel will help them. Um, But even on that website, I've got tip videos. So I've got some confidence tip videos that people can watch and watch me, I mean, in the shower doing affirmations. You know, it's quite funny. I overdo things to make it, you know, kind of a little bit more entertaining. There's There's tip videos on how to work through emotions. If you've got emotions coming through, there's, you know, videos of me smashing stuff and hitting things and crying and showing people that this is real that this is how we all are and then there's some weight loss tips you know and of course the most important thing is just to have a chat with me Mm, beautiful we'll definitely put all the links below in the show notes so if anyone's wanting to to find those easily you can jump down below and find it but thank you so much Lauren for jumping on it and talking through all of that today it was fascinating yeah really intriguing so thank you very much for for spending the time with us Oh, you're so welcome. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks so much, Lorraine. Thanks for listening to another magical episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show in your podcast app so you don't miss another episode. And we'd love you to share the podcast with any family or friends who might be interested in the show.